Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, August 25th. We begin with a look at the war in Ukraine. At the beginning of the Russian invasion, Canadians dug deep to support the Ukrainian people. But now, six months in, are we doing enough to help? We discuss with Shannon Craig, Chief Marketing Officer with Canada Helps. Then it's our monthly conversation with the Calgary Chamber. We speak with Ruhi Ismail Teha, the Chamber's Director of Policy and Communications. Ruhi brings us details on the recommendations her organization is presenting to City Hall as Council prepares to draft the city's four-year planning cycle. Canada's unemployment rate is now at a record low, yet the labour market remains competitive with more than a million job vacancies across the country. So what do businesses need to do to retain their employees? We'll talk about that with John McKinley, CEO of Cary Capital. And finally, it promises to be the tastiest event of Calgary's Pride Festival. We hear details on sachet filet, which brings together teams of talented chefs and drag performers in a competition guaranteed to entertain and tempt your taste buds. Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, August 25th. We begin with a look at the war in Ukraine. At the beginning of the Russian invasion, Canadians dug deep to support the Ukrainian people. But now, six months in, are we doing enough to help? We discuss with Shannon Craig, Chief Marketing Officer with Canada Helps. Then it's our monthly conversation with the Calgary Chamber. We speak with Ruhi Ismail Teha, the Chamber's Director of Policy and Communications. Ruhi brings us details on the recommendations her organization is presenting to City Hall as Council prepares to draft the city's four-year planning cycle. Canada's unemployment rate is now at a record low, yet the labour market remains competitive with more than a million job vacancies across the country. So what do businesses need to do to retain their employees? We'll talk about that with John McKinley, CEO of Cary Capital. And finally, it promises to be the tastiest event of Calgary's Pride Festival. We hear details on sachet filet, which brings together teams of talented chefs and drag performers in a competition guaranteed to entertain and tempt your taste buds. Ukraine still needs support from Canadians, but donations are starting to stall at the six months mark into the war and the takeover of by Russia. Joining us to talk about it this morning is Shannon Craig, Chief Marketing Officer with Canada Helps. Good morning, Shannon. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. Can you tell us a little bit first off about Canada Helps? What exactly does your organization do other than help? Absolutely. Canada Helps is an online site where Canadians can donate or fundraise for any registered charity in Canada. We've been connecting Canadians and charities for over 20 years and uh, raised over $450 million for charities across Canada just last year alone. Wow. Just, you know, when we talk about the charities that your organization represents uh, above and beyond, uh, you know, what else do you folks do? Because I I know that it's it's not a a one-stop shop, is it? Well, we are a charity ourselves, and really our mission is to inspire generosity of Canadians, connect Canadians and charities, as well as to ensure that all charities have access to the fundraising tools they need to succeed. Um, And so we we offer online fundraising tools so charities, in particular small charities, can do just that online. Um, But we also really come together to try to find innovative ways for Canadians to give. And so for many years now, we've been launching our crisis relief center when things like humanitarian crises happen, such as that that's going on in Ukraine, where so many people are displaced, so many people need food, shelter, a safe place to be. And so we launched our crisis relief center in response to Ukraine, and there are 133 charities actively fundraising and responding to the crisis in Ukraine on that site. Okay, so through CanadaHelps.org, how significantly have donations slowed 
over the past few months now that we're at that six-month mark of the war? Yeah, it, they really have slowed. So it's common with humanitarian crisis. We see this initial outpouring of support um, when the media hits. And that's what we saw. And with Ukraine, it was a prolonged period. So sometimes humanitarian crisis, the, the, the generosity is, is, is a seven days. Here we saw 40 days uh, of a real spike where we were seeing uh, close to $457 million each day in donations to those charities that I, I, I uh on our crisis relief center that are fundraising for Ukraine. Now, six months later, that is what we're seeing is approximately $11,000 a day. So that's 50 times fewer donors every single day and just about 2.5% in dollars to support to Ukraine compared to what we saw in the initial spike. I think, you know, people want to make a difference, but perhaps shining light on exactly how the money's used, you know, might be of help. So how how, do, how is the impact of these dollars? And can you give us some kind of an idea about how the money is moved into action? Absolutely. So there's fantastic organizations responding. The Canadian Ukraine Foundation, Red Cross, Save the Children, to many smaller organizations that are fundraising for the effort um, and really um, connected with organizations on the grain in Ukraine with, with forces and feet on the ground so that they can offer things like medical supplies, food, <laughs> shelter, and, and connection. Um, and, and that's because we're really in that moment of crisis. As humanitarian crises go on, they, their additional needs come out. But right now we're still responding. To, you know, most charities on the ground are really responding to the urgent needs of uh, civilians impacted. Shannon, is there a way for us to know, you know, specifically whether it's Canada Helps or any other uh, charity, that our donations are actually getting to the people in need, that the money we're giving is going where we think it is? Um, well, I think there's fantastic. So, so if you visit, visit Canada Helps, most of the organizations have provided descriptions on how they're making use of the funds. They have specific funds designated to Ukraine to ensure that's where it is. So there's there's very clear guidelines for charities um, uh, for accounting for special designated funds like this. So, um, and they are regulated by the CRA. So I think that should give some comfort, but as well reading about each organization. And that's one of the reasons why Canada Health offers the Crisis Relief Center. So Canadians can go and take a look at all the different organizations responding, hear how they're responding, and then choose the organization that um, best meets, you know, fits their, their giving priorities. I know a lot of people, they like to, to, to investigate before they're, you know, giving funds if they can get a tax receipt. Is, is a donation like this eligible for a tax receipt for Canadians who are you're trying to help out? 100%. So as soon as you, it can, when you make a donation through Canada Health, you can choose to receive an instant tax receipt or alternatively, you can choose to receive a roll-up tax receipt for all of the donations you make through Canada Helps in the year. So that tax time is simple, and we'll just send that to you again in February, or you can access it any time in your account. And it just makes giving very easy if you're giving to multiple charities. So there is that flexibility of an instant receipt or one roll-up receipt at end of year come tax time. Once of you, uh, again, re- sorry, say again, Shannon? I was just going to say, and it really makes a difference. Uh, the, the charitable tax incentives that we have here in Canada, they vary a little bit by province, but they are significant and can be as much as 54% of a tax credit back to you um, based upon your financial situation, of course. Perfect. Thank you. We'll send people to CanadaHelps.org. Thanks so much for your time this morning.
Thank you. Thanks, Shannon Craig. Canada Help's Chief Marketing Officer. Boy, they've raised nearly $25 million with the 133 charities on their site. So a legit place to go if you want to help out. And obviously, when you look at the pictures and what's going on in Ukraine, yeah. the devastation is horrendous and still needing help, the people that are are living in that country. Underscoring what you said, legit, because I, there is so many scams out there that mm-hmm. I think that maybe that's something that gets in the way of people saying, well, I'm not too sure. And it just falls out yeah. of the news, right? Yeah. I mean, not that yeah. we wanted to, but other things happen and you kind of goes off your list or, or your radar. I should say, and we need to make sure that it stays top of mind. Well, and I want to talk about that briefly because I think a lot of the times, for example, I'm just going to throw this out there, people put the blame on mainstream media. <laughs> and when they do, and sometimes they send us texts, I think, well, do you understand you're talking to mainstream media? Uh, because the mainstream media moves away from it. I, you know you know what? There's a lot that happens in the world, and the news cycle does change to keep up with, hence the term news. What to. is new? And not that it doesn't make this very important, and as we heard you know, from Shannon, it, it is super important. But I think that there is this inherent, like, human attention span to things. Like a gnat. And, yeah, and six months in, oh, boy, we've got some elections coming. Oh, boy, it's back to school. Oh, the economy, inflation. There is a lot happening. So you have to, you know, your attention, you have to really laser focus it on things. And, and uh, you know, I think that we have to keep discussing and looking mm-hmm. at these different angles. And, you know, by the numbers there, what Shannon said at Canada Helps, I mean, those donations are way down. Yeah. So if you can help out, now's the time to do it for sure. We're at that six-month mark of the war. It's unbelievable that it's gone on this long. CanadaHelps.org is the place to go. City of Calgary charting its course forward, planning the budget for the next four years. Well, this morning we are joined by Ruhi Ishmael Teja, Director of Policy and Communications with the Calgary Chamber, to get some insight on what the Chamber would like to see in the next four-year planning cycle. Good morning to you, Ruhi. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me. Okay, so key recommendations the Chamber is making to the city as they prep this budget? Absolutely. We conducted a whole bunch of consultation with our business community and landed on four key recommendations really around telling Calgary's story better, talking about who we are as a city and using that to attract talent, to attract investment. Uh, we we know that Calgary has a great image within the city, a pretty good per, uh, perception internationally, and there's a lot that we can be doing to make sure that we're telling our story well across Canada. Our next recommendation is around making sure that we have the people that we need and so a real big focus on talent. We know business's big concern right now is around the labor shortage. 44% of Calgary businesses are concerned that labor challenges are going to limit their business growth. And so, so we're focused on that really at all three levels of government right now. And our third one's around building a safe and secure Calgary and making sure that people feel safe wherever they go in Calgary. And we know that there's been a big push for since the pandemic, really, to, to revitalize downtown and to see some of that work across the city. And then the last thing that we're really recommending is around making Calgary an easy and great place to do business. So to make it easy for businesses to come here, operate here, invest here, uh, and make the process simple and straightforward so we can have a great and successful entrepreneurial community. Ruhi, I know that, you know, the, the chamber is a 365-day-a-year operation. doesn't, you know, take the summer months off per se, but I'm wondering if things ramp up with your membership and with the activities and workshops that you folks put forward come September. Is it, does it pick up? Is it a busier time of the year? It is. It's, uh, you're right. It's always busy at the chamber. The gearing up for municipal, uh, for a four-year municipal budget cycle is definitely a big push for us. And we've got lots going on in September too, and especially 
with all three levels of government being fully engaged come September. Um, we, we are definitely going to be doing more engagement with business. And businesses are really thinking about different things now than they were six months ago. And so there's an opportunity to connect with them and hear about what they're thinking about for the future and economic recovery, not just sort of the day-to-day pandemic uh, challenges that, that we spent a lot of our time dealing with uh, over the last couple of years. Rui, I love the, the recommendations and the, the one that kind of caught my attention is well, your second point, the attract, retain and invest in talent. And we've actually been talking about that through this morning with, you know, you hear these terms, the great resignation, the mm-hmm. quiet quitting. How does the chamber, do you work with businesses to try and, and teach them or like what's that process to try and make sure that everybody understands how to best do that and achieve that? Yeah, part of our role at the Chamber is really around uh, things that affect every business. And so we're talking a lot to government about how we set the full business community up for success. And so everything from upskilling and reskilling to making sure our post-secondaries are well-funded to making sure that we have the ability to recognize newcomer credentials and have an immigration system that helps support businesses and doesn't send people back uh, really as soon as they're trained up. Um, And then facilitating partnerships between businesses and educational institutions as well. And so it it really stretches the uh, the full spectrum of what we can do. Your uh, point number three, Ruhi, was uh, build a safe and secure Calgary. Uh, can we assume this is, you know, we've, we've seen an uptick in, in gun-related violence. We've, we've heard about people not feeling so safe on the C-train. Is, is that the areas we're talking about, for example? That's some of it. Um, we're, we're hearing a lot from businesses around the importance of transit, and I think more so than we have in the past. And a lot of businesses see it as really critical for getting people Uh, both employees and potential customers to their businesses. And so things like ensuring that businesses can stay open uh, past 11 p.m. means that we need transit running until a little bit later in the evening so that people can get employees home safely and not have to worry about that. Of course, if you're thinking about a taxi ride uh, for your employees at the end of the night, then the economics of your business totally change. And so uh, really just ensuring that people can commute safely uh, at all hours is is very important to businesses and obviously that's something that businesses look for before they set up shop they want to make sure that they're not going to be in a situation where they're facing several break-ins uh, we know there's glass shortages right now and so when businesses do get broken into it's a it's an uphill battle for them to be able to get back on their feet we're going to direct people to calgarychamber.com thanks so much for your time this morning really important points to bring forward Absolutely. Thank you both. Thank you. That's Ruhi Ishmael Teja, the Director of Policy and Communications at the Calgary Chamber. With a potential recession and a very tight labour market, retaining top talent is crucial for Canadian employers. With some insight into what employers can do to keep staff in this unstable economy, we're joined this morning by John McKinley, CEO at Cary Capital. Good morning, John. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sue and Andy. Thanks for having me back. So we we hear lots about the great resignation and lately about quiet quitting. So what do employers need to do in order to keep their top talent in their pool? Yeah, a couple of of tips that I'd like to share. First of all, you know, creating flexibility to enable people's work lives, uh, balances and preferences is, is really important. Secondly, creating opportunity for people... Uh, to grow and be able to learn new skills um, and stretch themselves. And um, um, staff need to know that leadership teams um, 
demonstrate their values and, and walk the walk on, on leadership. Not that, you know, these employers and these uh, companies have been caught flat-footed, but they've been caught flat-footed, John, in the <laughs> sense that nobody could see this coming, that the employees would be in the driver's seat. Is that one of the interesting parts of this? Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's very true. And what we learned through the pandemic is um, staff can work very productively remotely, and um, organizations had to learn to adapt to that very quickly. And if you don't have a good um, remote or hybrid work environment, <clears throat> you're just not going to be able to attract and retain top talent. So do you, when you sort of think about what the future of the office looks like, is it about the hybrid version or maybe working from home entirely? Is that just something that companies now have to face? That is the reality of the situation. Yeah, I think that is the the new uh, workplace and the new environment. And, uh, you know, our, our analysis with our staff demonstrates that uh, staff will come to the office and they want to come to the office when it's purpose-led. So if you're having meetings with colleagues or workshops, uh, they're happy to come in. Um, but if they're just doing their day-to-day work, they'd prefer to do it um, at, at another location remotely, where, whether that's their home, um, a cottage, um, wherever it is, they, they, they want to do that uh, at their preference. The other, uh, I think, conundrum, John, would be having that uh, team building, that cohesive unit, and mm-hmm. feeling like you belong to a team when you're not all at the same time, Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 together. I would think that has to be a challenge that employers and organizations are looking at. Yeah, it, it, it really is, and, and that's part of that purpose-led um, reasons for coming into the office is to build that, to build that unity and um, to, to build that team-type culture. I would say, you know, that some of the tools and technologies um, have improved so radically, again, over the course of the pandemic out of necessity, that it, it does make a difference when you can see your colleagues um, on a screen and interact with them periodically that that does help but there's no substitute for for the teams getting together so true thanks so much for your time john interesting discussions <laughs> we'll be talking about it for a while to come i'm sure great thank you for having me thanks john mccann john mckinley is the ceo of carry capital carrycapital.com for more info be interested to know uh, what you at home or in the car not driving and texting but you in the car have experienced over the past couple of years uh you know on, on the way to the office perhaps or maybe you're getting a uh, this is a bagel and going back to your home office is has this changed for you or have you been back since you know in the past handful of months and it was back to absolute normal mm-hmm. are you refusing to change I don't know if we play that song enough on this program. Agree. What a great song. Oh, my gosh. Hey, listen, this is fantastic. Eat North events, bringing back their food meets drag event, sachet filet as part of Calgary Pride. Super unique and fun where the worlds of culinary and drag collide. With all the fabulous details, we're joined now by Yuhua Hamasaki, who is, of course, one of the event coordinators. Good morning to you, Yuhua. Hello, everyone. How are you? Well, we like that kind of energy at 820 in the morning on a Thursday to begin with. Yuhua, thank you so much. Well, hello. I'm also a queen. <laughs> oh, okay, well, that's probably, yeah, that maybe plays Always into the it. the energy. Yeah, you got to have the, you can't, you can't be drab with your tone. Absolutely not. No, I definitely talk, not. Definitely not. I want to ask you this, because, you know, on paper, this sounds fantastic, but I'm having a hard time picturing it. We've got 
drag and food? What does this look like? Well, if you love drag and if you love food at the same time, this is the perfect place for you. I mean, you might even see a drag queen's wig get burned right in front of your eyes. This is going to be perfect. It's going to be a show. (laughs) Now, you were a former contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race. So how does it compare being on a show like that to being a part of an event like this? Is it the same kind of fun sort of energy built in? Yes, definitely. I think that everywhere you go, you just got to have fun. And I think that that's the main message of drag is that you just got to have fun. You can't change your um, situation, but you can change your attitude. And I think that anyone out there should give drag a try. You just learn just to have fun. And I think this is what it's going to be about tonight. I'm wondering how long, if you can give us just a little bit of your background, you've been on the drag scene because it is now wildly popular. Years ago, you'd have to go out of your way to find a drag show. And there certainly wouldn't have been TV shows, uh, you know, like uh, the RuPaul shows. Oh, definitely not. I mean, this is 10, 15 years ago. This is completely different. But I think that with the open gates of how accepting drag is right now, this is the perfect time. You know, I think that to see food and also drag get combined, this would have never happened five, 10 years ago. You're right. It's awesome. It's going to be a fun event. It doesn't matter, gay, straight, whatever. You will enjoy this for sure. So it's um, a, a judging of local personalities, chefs, who will team up with a drag queen, right? And then what happens end of the night? Is there is there like a, a trophy or something? There is a main prize, but we can't give away too much, though. <laughs> oh, but somebody will win something. Yes, 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 definitely. And we only have less than 20 tickets left, so it's going to be a great night. So if you haven't yet, we hope to see you both there, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Sounds fantastic, and you had me at food as well. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Yuhua. Oh, we appreciate delicious. it. That is Yuhua Hamasaki, and, of course, you saw him on RuPaul's uh, drag, dress, mm-hmm. uh, drag uh, race. Um, and, of course, I want to let you know, showpass.com slash sachet-filet. Anytime you have uh, Eat North events... That's a foodie extraordinaire in town, Dan Clapson. Yep, does great stuff. So you, we're elevating the food, and you've got the entertainment. Boy, this seems like a real getaway in the city. You sachet with the drag queens. You fillet with the chefs. You put it all together. Fun competition. It's all to kick off Pride which uh, Pride Week, particularly, which yeah. starts on Friday. So it's going to be a good one. As you say, showpass.com slash sachet fillet.